Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is one of the best Astros Twitter follows, Larry the GM. You guys know him. His website, Larry the, LarryTheGM.com. And it takes a database analysis of the Astros. Is, is that a good description, Larry? Yeah, well, I like to call it the, the, the place where smart fans go. That's what that's my new tag. So, yeah, yeah that, but that's what we do. We, we really take a database analysis approach to the questions of the day in the Astros world. Yeah, I always love that real analytical approach, and it gives those people out there that are just trying to figure it out through the eye test, which isn't always great, uh, to, to give them a real idea of what's going on. And before we get started, I want to remind our listeners real quick to follow me on TikTok. I'm now on TikTok. I've joined that generation. Houston Sports Talk, Robert is the moniker, and I'm posting short Robert rants regularly. You can already see those, which, by the way, you can find on my YouTube page. All right, Larry, Dusty Baker's got a couple of major playoff decisions in October, and I thought, you're the guy to go to on these. Let's start with Maldi versus Christian Vasquez. And since the Christian Vasquez trade, Maldi has started more than half the time. Now, is that the right thing to do? Can you break down their numbers this year and what you've seen offensively and defensively from those two? All right. Well, no, it's not the right decision, but um, let, let's let's get there a little bit. So it's essentially at high level, Maldonado is batting, uh, has a 241 on-base percentage, a 347 slugging. Um, and then uh, Vasquez is 331 on-base percentage, 440 slugging. Uh, 420 slugging. So uh, there's a tool out there. And in fact, I wrote about it, just uh, put it out today, Robert, that, that you can put those two numbers in and essentially get a line, uh, build a lineup of your, of your lineup and it'll project number of runs that that lineup will score. So essentially what I did for a couple of these key questions we're talking about is I built a lineup of all Maldives and a lineup of all Vasquez's, all right? So the lineup of all Maldives scores uh, 3.7 run, 3.3, 2.37 runs a game. And the lineup of all Vasquez's scores 4.68 runs a game. So now if you think, now, okay, that's a lineup full of them. So you can you can divide that by you know 162 games, or divide that by nine. You get the impact per per slot in the lineup. So basically, that decision every night that Dusty Baker is making a lineup full of Vasquez is 2.3 runs, three runs more than Maldonado. So that decision every night is about 0.26 runs. Just Independent of anything else. Now, someone might might actually say, well, I think Molinaro is worth more than 0.26 runs per game. I I don't know why one would say that. Because I think we can tend to think of Maldonado in terms of who he was as a catcher in 2018 and 2019 and not who he is as a 36-year-old catcher now. So Maldonado right now... Uh, Vasquez has thrown out 31% of the runners that try to steal a base. Uh, Molinado's thrown out 28. I bet you polled 80% of the Twitter world. They would swear Molinado's going to throw out more runners than Vasquez. That's just simply not true. Uh, the defensive metric, defensive run save, it's the one that essentially gave Carlos Correa the gold glove last year. 
Um, Vasquez has a positive five DRS. Maldonado's got negative two. That, this is a way of saying Maldonado's actually not even a, a, a mediocre catcher at this point. He's below average. And then framing statistics, because I think that's another thing people think Maldonado's a great framer. He's actually, again, worse than the Vasquez. So there's, there's really no, like, no real metric that is a high value metric that one can point to to say that this, there's, you should be, you should be pitching Vasquez versus Maldonado. Now, people will say, well, you know, you got to talk to JV and Lance McCullers Jr. about that. And they're, they're all on the, the Maldonado train. Well, I wrote an article about Maldonado, the truth arts. I would just invite people to read that because I dealt with the psychological aspects of, you know, why players would, would pick one player or not. And it, it has to, a lot of it is deep down. It's in psychological terms is tribalism. It's what is the person they know and the person they're very comfortable with versus somebody new. So actually by if, if we're going to actually have Vasquez pitch in the playoffs, we need to have Vasquez be p- catching for uh, the big three, the biggest three pitchers that are going to have in the playoffs, which are Verlander, um, you know, Va- Valdez and McCullers. And, you know, we, we haven't done that yet. And th- that's just, it's just silly. And, and, and even Dusty's admitted to him, admitted in press conferences that it needs to happen. So, because what happens if Maldonado gets hurt in the other scenario? If you just keep this 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 mantra of like, well, they're they're the catchers for those three. He uh, Maldonado's the, their personal catcher. Well, what happens if he's not available in the postseason? You've never given Vasquez an opportunity to get comfortable with those pitchers. It's a self fulfilling prophecy at that point. So, at the end of the day, Christian Vasquez is a near All Star level catcher, and Maldonado's not. And the fact that we're even having this bait is it's quite silly and it, it's, it's very, very frustrating. But those are the numbers. The reality is, you know, every single night that you play uh, uh, Maldonado over Vasquez, you, you're cutting your run potential by almost 0.3 runs a game. Yeah, the other part of that and one of the things that you're talking about is, you know, can these guys succeed? Well, Justin Verlander's got a Hall of Fame career without right. Martin Maldonado, Lance McCullers, won a World Series and pitched pretty well in 2017 in the playoffs without Martin Maldonado. So, you know, right there, those two guys, we know what they can do without him. And the the idea that, you know, that Maldonado is making that much of an effect, you thought, well, maybe it's the Latin guys that he's affecting. Well, Christian Vasquez is the Latin guy. I mean, the language barrier, whatever you want to, however, which angle you want to go at, I, I think it pretty much comes down to all of that. And Christian Vasquez... Uh, yeah, he he's won a World Series. Martin Maldonado hasn't. That's another fact too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's just really no, there's no logical argument one can make other than you know it's, it's a devotion. It's almost like, and I called it a religion on Twitter. It doesn't make me very popular when I do, but but that's at this point, those people that just hold to this this Maldonado. Uh, like devotion that's that's really what it is it's it's a religion at the moment you and i are talking Chaz mccormick uh is missing games with a dislocated finger but we know dusty has a zero confidence like a zero confidence in a Chaz mccormick as a center fielder prospect we know his offense 
Lightyear is better than Myers and Dubon. I, I can't imagine Dusty's going to argue that point. But what is the real story behind Chaz's defense in center field? Does Dusty have anything to stand on right there? Well, okay. So do you want the metrics? or Because I don't know, but I was watching Dubon play the other day in the outfield, and he looked pretty lost out there for a minute. So I think Chaz McCormick, when he plays the outfield, doesn't give you the spectacular plays. But he, he does a good job of feeling the great. Okay, I think, to be fair, I think Dubon and and Myers have greater greater um, range. I mean, I, I think it's just they're faster people. But number one, I don't think Jake Myers today is even a viable option to be playing postseason baseball. Now, if he gets better, he, he starts hitting. Uh, you know, my answer for Myers is he needs to be playing every day in AAA and give him a chance to figure out whatever's going on with his swing or, or building up the strength he needs to be able to hit. So as far as I'm concerned, Myers isn't even an option. And so until he until that happens, because I would say I believe the metrics that think Myers is a better defensive outfielder than Chas McCormick. But it's not like Chas McCormick is a bad, that DRS metric I talked to you about, right? You you spread that over because Chas hasn't had a lot of time in center field. I was gone on vacation for 11 days, and finally when I was gone, uh, Dusty Baker decided to play Chas McCormick in center field after I wrote the article, like, why do the Astros hate Chas McCormick? I mean, I, 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 I love frustration level, Robert. Like, why do they hate this guy so much? So read that article, folks, and you'll, you'll get the full Larry DGM perspective on it. But Chaz McCormick, defensive run save, one, po- positive one. There's nothing wrong with that. He's above average. That means says he's above average. As a center fielder, it's positive two. There's something called an UCR, which is an ultimate zone rating. And you actually – you frame it in UZR over 150. He's again a positive 1.7. His center field is 22.9, which actually belies what I said about his range. It's that saying Chas McCormick has elite range in center field. I don't necessarily believe that. Some of these defensive metrics take time to really level out to true, true reflection of, of value, of true reflection of talent. But his outs above average four and outs above average as a center fielder five. All right, so I'm going to take. I'm going to all those numbers say that Chas McCormick is an above-average outfielder and a, even better center fielder. Dubon, guess what? Dubon's outfield defensive run saves number is negative one. So this belief that Dubon's a better outfielder, like the defensive, the metrics don't agree with that. His UZR is uh, three point UZR. Over 150 is 3.9, slightly better than Chaz as an overall off-fielder, but it's odds above average, zero, versus the four from Chaz McCormick. So just focus on the overall off-field metrics. I think those probably do a better, fairer job, but there's, they're no better for DeBond as, as a center fielder. They're actually worse. It just says that these two, they're, they're as far as defensive metrics go, they favor Chaz. And at, at the worst case scenario, they would be like, there's there's no real difference between these two as an outfielder. And I think that's because Chas McCormick's a natural outfielder and Devon's a natural infielder. And you just stuck him on the outfield. Like tonight, today he missed the even even Dusty said he missed the he missed the cutoff man, 
and to play a third that everyone was raving about would have been a heck of a lot easier if he just thrown it to the cutoff man. And I mean, he got there, he got the out barely, but, but you know, that, that would have been, a, it could have been a much easier play and it might not even look that spectacular. Chaz would have just thrown it to the cutoff man. The cutoff man would have thrown it to the third and the guy would have been out. So you know, that, the, the thing about defensive metrics is really hard. Now, there, there's something that we, we need to deal with, though, okay? When everybody loves their defense, but do, do people realize that Chaz McCormick is literally a top 10 offensive player in this league right now? Uh, when when we're when we're when we're playing against left-handed pitching it, it's it's insane to to continue to frame Chaz McCormick in and all these these terms and ignoring the just incredible job he's doing as as a batter versus left-handed pitching and let me also remind everybody that when he's batting against right-handed pitchers his numbers are about the same and maybe even a little bit better than Dubon and Jake Myers yes. too. So it's yeah. not like he's been terrible against, he's been so bad against right-handed batters that he's, you can't put him in the lineup because of those other two guys. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think there's any, anybody except Dusty that's believing in Chaz McCormick, but I just wanted you to lay it out there for us. Let's go to Will Smith because the Will Smith trade uh, happened a few weeks ago. And since then he's looked more like our fresh prints and or less like our fresh prince, <laughs> as in Will Smith, more like the enemy of the state, Will Smith. There are little Will Smith references. And, and even if he gets through an inning, Larry, without a run, there's always traffic on the bases. I can't see a reason for him to be on the postseason roster, roster especially with two of our six starters as bullpen candidates who are going to be much better than Will Smith. Am I wrong? What are you seeing, if anything, differently? Robert, when that trade happened, my immediate reaction was like, what the hell are they doing? Why did they, I mean, I, I, you know, I asked for you guys to trade for a left-handed pitcher that was better than Abreu. That's actually been my mantra for two years when it's been at the trade deadline talking about relief pitchers. They have to be better than Abreu. And that's a really high bar right now because Abreu is pitching really well. Exactly. And, and Will Smith doesn't meet that bar. But then I started digging into the numbers. Will Smith has really got a very good slider. And I wrote I, I, I won't give I won't have time to really get into the details about this, Robert, but but Will Smith's fastball and his cur his curveball's been a disaster this year. And his fastball's been pretty really hittable. But his slider has been really, really good. And so my belief was, and they were actually doing it for the first few games, um, is that they were going to turn Will Smith into like some other left-handed specialists that are in that article that are very slider dependent. Um, and, and if so, Will Smith may actually be a, a very serviceable left-handed relief specialist. Well, here's the deal though with left-handed relief specialists now is that you can't bring them in at the beginning of the inning because, you know, they've got to at least face three batters and so if if you uh, bring him in and he's struggling, it really is bad because you can get in trouble pretty quickly. Now, is Will Smith good enough to where there's two batters that he's coming in to face that are both lefties and you already have two outs and you feel good enough like he's going to get one of those two guys? That's that's another story. But, you know, it's 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 this is a different. This is totally different 
than the Tony Larusa days where you could just bring in a guy for one batter or two batters or something like that. Right. So I think the ultimate question, and I think I think this is something that uh, smart Astros fans should really be monitoring. Like number one, what is the pitch? What is the pitch selection that Will Smith has for the rest of the season? How and how is he doing? So Will Smith as as actually so. Let me ask you, Robert. What do you think Will Smith's ERA in August has been? As an Astro, what do you think his ERA has been? It's not been good, but more than anything, it's just I I, I don't see him getting clean innings. I mean, it's there's always traffic, like I said, always traffic on the base paths, and you know it, you can't have that when you're going up against playoff teams, and 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 then he's going to be facing real teams. Because remember, since he's gotten here. The Astros haven't exactly faced Murderer's Row as far as the the, the quality yeah, of the competition. They, well, they played Atlanta and, and Baltimore's not bad. I mean, they 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 played the the schedule's about to get super easy for the next eighteen games, and then then we finish with a little bit of more of a challenge. But his ERA actually in August has been three point six, which is not bad. It's actually better than it has been rest, the whole rest of the season. Um, his wo his, his wobo versus lefties has been three oh three, which which is which is actually pretty good. His wobo versus lefties uh, righties has been a, a a real problem. So the 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 point I'm trying to make is I I don't think we know yet really the Will Smith. I think it was a gamble. I think they think they can fix him, and I think that's essentially what they're they he's essentially in the laboratory being worked on right now, and we're gonna see by September whether or not that that the changing of his pitch profile is going to work or not at the end of the day you know the one thing Robert it's it's really hard to project I mean I think we want to talk about pitching staff in the postseason right so let's talk about it so you have the, the Astros I believe are about to call up Hunter Brown and I don't know if he's going to be a starter or he's going to be a long reliever but the Astros have three guaranteed starters for this postseason. Verlander, Valdez, McCullers Jr., assuming they're all healthy. Then they have what I believe are going to be four long guys. They're essentially, they're going to be able to tandem start with any of those other ones. One of them is going to be a starter. I can't tell you who that fourth starter is right now in the postseason because I don't think they know. I think it's an open competition, but it's your Kitty, Garcia, Javier, and I don't think they're actually going to start Brown. I think Brown's going to be in this category of long reliever. So I'm out at seven pitchers, Robert, and I haven't even started talking about a bullpen yet, right? So assuming he's healthy, you've got Presley, Montero, Nares, and Stanek in the bullpen. That's 11. Abreu's 12. You're done. You don't even need 12 pitchers in, in the ALDS. I think they went with 12 last year as far as pitchers were concerned. And you said it because you can piggyback those guys in games three and four. So if, if Christian Javier say is one of the starters and Lance McCullers is the other starter, and those guys have a tendency sometimes to not be able to go more than four or five innings because of pitch count, you can piggyback with Orkiti and Garcia. And I don't know what you think, but I actually love Garcia. I know people are like, well, can Garcia do that? But if you look at his numbers and I'm sure you're, you were going to bring this up first two times through the batting order, he's really good. It's, the real drop off for him is that third time through the batting order. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I like Christian Javier as a starter, because if he's right, you know, you can get seven innings and 14 strikeouts and he's, he's, he's got the kind of stuff that, 
can beat anybody when he's on. And the other thing about Christian Javier is third time through the batting order, he's he just gets better. He gets better second, third time through the batting order, unlike some of the other guys on the staff. Yeah, it's almost like uh, isn't it's like his first it's it's early innings for him that's that's more of a challenge. I, I think I'd have to go look that up. But. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so you know the the. It, these guys are like every one of them has a little bit of different, different flavor and figuring out how to mix and match them. It's going to be one of the, one of the things that we as Astros fans should really be excited about. But um, so, yeah, I, I, so you get to 12 pitchers and I haven't even said Smith, uh, Martinez, Maton, you know, none of those guys are on, probably on the postseason roster. And, and, you know, imagine uh, Dusty Baker not having the Maton Jack in the box, uh, of runs to pull out during the postseason. I, I, I joke about Mayton that he's the jack-in-the-box. Every time he pitches, it's like cranking the wheel on the old jack-in-the-box toy. And sometimes the runs pop out, and sometimes they <laughs> stay in the box. That's, that's how I feel about Mayton. Like, you never know what you're going to get with him. But, uh, you know, that's – so, you know, if they're healthy, none of this matters. And, and I think I think Hunter Brown's coming – People say, well, why would you bring Hunter Brown into this? Well, I, I know, Robert, you probably remember David Price in the po- in the postseason that year when he was a rookie. And he just came in and just mowed people down. And people are like, who the heck is this David Price? No one was prepared for him. And and he was just – he was like a, a revelation to that team in the postseason. So that that's quite, kind of the role I can see. And, and most of this discussion about the bullpen, if – if those starters are right and those long relievers are right, I mean, we're talking maybe one, two innings a game for the the, the bullpen. It's going to be it's going to be hard to get anybody but Montero and Presley innings. Yeah, Hunter Brown, electric stuff. I mean, you look at what he's done in AAA. I throw away the offensive numbers in Sugarland because it's such an offensive league, but I have way more respect for the pitching numbers and his pitching numbers have just been rock solid all year. His stuff is, you know, top of the rotation type stuff. And and I really feel like if they give him a chance in September to see what he can do, there's a really good chance. You got to throw his arm into the equation. And I mean, I, I definitely would take him over the Will Smith's and the Phil Maton's and the, and all those guys that you just mentioned at the back end of the bullpen. I, I want to get next uh, quickly to Jordan Alvarez because Saturday night he publicly says, He's got a hand injury bothering him, not the same hand that he hurt in July. He rested Sunday, but Dusty said he'll be back in the lineup Tuesday. Have you noticed anything? And, you know, I, I wonder, you know, with his injuries and everything that's going on, if Aledmus or Brantley were healthy, if Dusty might have given him a week or two to heal right about now. I think he's going to go to the injured list. I just, number one, there's no real reason not to, not to be doing that with him. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's still not the same problem he had with his other hand. I, I, I guess I hadn't heard it was. No, he said it was, he said it was the other, he said on the Saturday press conferences, it was the, the other hand. And I, you know, the Astros have played everything safe. So I, I can only assume that they feel like this is something that he just has to play through because otherwise it's just going to take an off season to recover or something like that. But I, I feel like they, 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 they've looked at it and they're like, well, we don't know what a week or two or whatever is going to do for it. Well, so yeah, Robert, my, uh, my son's an athletic trainer. And so he actually has dealt with this hammy injury before. 
there it's a it's a six to eight week type of recovery so if it's the same problem we had on the first hand it's a it's a six to eight week recovery they don't have time to do that so the there's two different like treatment options one is you know you get the surgery and eight weeks later you can play or you know you don't get the surgery you give two or three weeks of rest and then you hope that it's good enough that 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 rest brought down the inflammation and that you don't re-aggravate the 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 bone and the bone spur there and you get the surgery in the off season that's obviously what they're going to have to do if it's if it's truly the hamate bone in the in his other hand that's bothering him too something something weird is going on there robert that he's got that so number one i believe that it's a mini injury you just look at his statistics like from July 30th to now, uh, Jordan Alvarez has a 78 WRC plus. That just that that boggles your mind. Yeah, his OPS no. is in the I think low to mid 600s or something like that. That's not Jordan Alvarez, and he's no he's got no power. Now, one of the things I I think you know he was playing a lot. He was playing 25 of the last 29 games, and this is a guy that was, you know, we we thought was recovering from the other hand injury. I don't know that I, you know, in hindsight that I would have been playing him that all that much. Although that's, you know, that's second guessing looking back. He also played a lot in left field. And a lot of that's because there hasn't been anybody else to play left field in some ways. And Dusty's refused to play Mancini in left field. So I think you just got to start putting Mancini in left field and fit and, and face, you know, full disclosure, Mancini's not a great left fielder, but he's a great batter. So like, take whatever consequences there are with with him being in the field and just roll with it and 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 if that means you keep Jordan Alvarez from being exposed to both uh defensive you know defensive uh uh potential injuries I I would just do that and 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 try to roll with it that way um and but I I would actually put him on the IL for for 10 days and just give him a, a if nothing else a mental break and and let them figure out what's going on and, and just rest. Um, having having rest in 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 late August, early September for somebody like Jordan Alvarez, and then having him have two three weeks of getting back ready to go before the postseason doesn't sound like a too bad of a thing for me. All right, I, I got a quick wild card thing to ask you, and then I want to get uh, you to give me a quick wild card thing that's on your mind. But you know, one quick thing that I think we we saw to go under the radar a little bit this week was Justin Verlander. Chandler Rome did a piece on him and how he's a better teammate this year. Molly said overall, quote, he's a totally different guy from 18 and 19. And I, I don't think he was a bad person in the past. This is Molly speaking, but I think he's more open to helping young guys, helping the team, having team dinners, constant communication. And that, leads me to this point i'm wondering larry are, are you willing to sign him for three more years at age 40 if it comes to that with i mean i'm guessing it's going to be at least in the neighborhood of 100 million dollars because you and i have just witnessed this big yuli drop off and he's you know 40 years old now in this next contract so yuli dropped you know off of off a cliff all of a sudden in this last year yeah robert i'm just I'm not, this. You're gonna make me unpopular, Robert. <laughs> you're saying I'm, no. I'm, I'm just the most unpopular person on National Twitter a lot of times, anyway. But I, uh, so, what does JV want? Number one, let's let's start with let's have that conversation. Like, 
what can we do to make him happy with whatever it is that he wants? Um, if we could do a series of one year or maybe, you know, rolling two year contracts with him, but that number is going to be really, really big, Robert. That, that, we're talking 40 plus, I think. I think he's going to get, you know, he's going to get Max Scherzer type numbers. And because somebody's going to come bring it to him. Like the Yankees, don't you know the Yankees would love to have Justin Verlander for the last three years of his career? So what is $120 million to the, to the Yankees? And so I... I know Jim Crane loves him some Justin Verlander. So, and there should be a lot of goodwill with Justin based on, you know, the number one, the contract they gave him this year. And, you know, the the fact that they were paying him when, when he was sitting, I, you know, his actions are the actions of somebody that seems to be settled in and thinks he's going to be here. But, I think the things can change, Robert. This, this when and and he gets a, what if he gets a fifty minute dollar offer from the Dodgers? What is he going to do? And so I, is this one of those issues that I can't answer because I don't know number one what he really wants and number two what other teams are going to do. But I think some other teams are going to be really desperate to get him off the Astros. Now the other thing is the Astros don't take this the wrong way. It's not that the Astros don't need Justin Verlander. Every team needs a Justin Verlander. But if there was ever a team that could, that has a pitching profile, we, we just talk about Hunter Brown, Hunter Brown should be okay. Not the next Justin Verlander, but the next ace on this team. And if, for if, if Forrest Whitley, can actually start pitching to where his promise was. Fortunately, was the best pitching prospect in baseball three years ago. You know, so do do you really want to tie up $45, $50 million for the next three years in Justin Verlander? I don't, but I think that's what the market value is going to be. And you're going to ha- eventually you're going to have to pay Valdez Eventually, you're gonna, you know, you're not gonna have to pay him very soon, but you're gonna, you're gonna want to pay Garcia, you're gonna want to pay your Kitty, you're gonna want to pay all these other guys, um, and it's gonna be a time period where you're gonna be paying Tucker and, and everybody else. Sooner or later, you're gonna run out of money, and or you know, okay, but people say now nah, baseball owners have more money than anybody, but I mean, Jim Crane's just not gonna run a four hundred dollar, four hundred million dollar payroll, so. That's that's where I'm at with that. I, it's, basically, I didn't answer because I need to understand what the actual equation is. If he wants a five-year, $40 million a year contract, you can't do that. If he wants a series of rolling two-year contracts, and maybe you can convince yourself to do that. And I'll say one thing about Forrest Whitley. I was watching the video of him uh, today as you and I are speaking. This would be Sunday. And just seeing how he looks. And the one thing that became blatantly obvious to me is this guy's totally revamped his, he's totally revamped his, his windup to where it looks much easier. It doesn't look like he's putting as much stress on the arm. I looked at what he was doing three years ago and I was looking at the YouTube video of, you know, the force Whitley three years ago. And 
it was much more of an over the shoulder bending backwards and he's putting all this torque into his arm and it just there was an ease about his windup and he still has this incredible stuff that just looks so natural coming out of his hands and such and it's still explosive and he looks like he's barely putting in anything into it and he comes more a little bit more across which i think is going to help the movement on his pitches as well as opposed to being straight over head so i think the forest whitley that we saw if he can just stay healthy and maybe this light this uh wind up is going to mean that he can't stay healthy you know you can't just totally discount him because he's just so talented and if you could just figure out a way to keep him on the field he's got this stuff man there is a ton of other stuff that i want to talk to you about i, I want to bring you back in before the season is because we're running out of, out of time here i want to bring you back in we're going to have to talk about the lineup because i think everybody wants to know what the good lineup is for the astros come the postseason that's a big deal. I know Jeremy Pena is a big question mark for people out there. So we'll tease all that because I want to talk to you about that uh, soon too. But I, I want to give you a, a couple extra minutes just to plug your site, what what all you've got on there and, and what, where people should go for everything. Well, the good thing, Robert, every single one of those questions you just asked has been answered in the last two weeks on the site and most of them today. So I, I went through and did a, a series of uh, the – the um the matchup of like I did with what I talked about with uh Maldi and Vasquez. I did the same thing with Yuli and Mancini. I gave you the, the run differential there. I did the same thing when in the center field with Dubon versus Myers versus McCormick with the, the results of there. Then I put together what based on where we're at today, assuming that uh Diaz is in the lineup, what my optimal lineup today would be versus a right handed starting pitcher and a left handed starting pitcher. All that is on the website larry to gm.com uh you know I, just recently i wrote about mccormick uh we were we've written about uh, pena in in the last two days so we're we are actively on the site and the thing about my site um i i tease that it's where the smart fans go Sometimes people have told me they have to read my articles like more than once to really like, Larry, I had to read it a couple of times before I could understand everything. It was, you're giving me all these numbers and everything, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes yeah. it helps um, to talk through those articles. So I'm trying to figure out different avenues. This is obviously like one where we can dig into an article and we can like, okay, what are you trying to say with this, Larry? What are you, what are you saying about Pena? I'm saying that he needs to either bats, uh, second or he needs to bat seventh don't bat him sixth and and or seventh eighth or ninth and if you bat him second you might be surprised how, how quickly jeremy Pena breaks out of his slump um and so i was really happy today when we actually did that i was also happy with yuli batting six because batting yuli second was the worst one of the worst things you could be doing so those are the things that are in the website those are the things that i write about um People, I would invite them to code on the website, uh, subscribe at the website. So you, there's a little link there. You put in your, your email and, and you'll get, you'll get an email notification when I put something out. So that way you don't have to wait for somebody to, to either to me or somebody to send you a Twitter notification. It'll, you'll get the notification and you'll, you'll be an insider and know what's, what's happening on the website. Yeah, we're on the same page on Yuli. His numbers in the two hole compared to the six hole. I just posted on Twitter today and he's about 150 points better in the six hole than he is in the two hole. You don't know what's going on in, in those games, but I just found that extremely interesting. And for sure, he's just not getting it done in the two hole at all. And you need a guy that can get on base and 
Yuli's not ever been known as a walk guy and he's not doing it again this year. But we got to, well, there's definitely some stuff about the land that you and I disagree on. We're going to get to it at another time. But thanks so much for doing this. It's at Larry the GM, LarryTheGM.com. Great to talk with you, man. All right. Take care. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.